Everybody and welcome back to the ATI podcast. Barrett Lewis here. We've got Ridge Jackson sitting in once again with us, as well as Josh. Hey, 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 hey. We appreciate everybody tuning in today. We are pleased to have a guest with us, Noah from Bloodspawn. How you doing, Noah? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. Doing even better that now we're getting a chance to talk to you in Hell a little yeah, bit more man. of a formidable way here. And some of our listeners might know that we've already made some posts semi-detailing kind of the situation that your band is in at the moment. And you guys unfortunately suffered some losses from the recent flooding that took place up in the St. Louis area. We're going to be directing folks today to your guys' GoFundMe outside of just peeling back the curtain a little bit and getting to know you and your band a little bit more. Awesome. I appreciate it. So let's start the conversation off with what got you into music? What, what drew you to writing music of this genre in particular? Okay. Uh, well, what got me into music in general was my family. My whole mom's side are uh, musicians, and then my dad is a musician okay. as well. I grew up playing music. My dad got me a drum set at two, and ever since then, it's just been... Hell yeah. <laughs> I've always been doing it, off and on. It wasn't until high school that I started uh, getting into it again, and then I got into it very, very heavily with uh, psychedelic music. Modern or, or more classic stuff like Hendrix and The Birds and stuff? More classic stuff, yeah. Uh, I was listening to um, a lot of Wizard. Gandalf, that's what it was, Gandalf. Listening to a lot of uh, really old stuff. Moody Blues, uh, uh, Uriah Heep, Deep Purple. A lot of newer stuff like uh, Fuzz, all of his projects. And then it, it got heavier and heavier eventually that psychedelic turned into stoner rock and right. then stoner rock turned into doom and then from doom went into death doom and then death yeah. metal you know oh, yeah. and then uh black metal was sprinkled in there uh little bits i would say the band that was the catalyst for the heavy brutal stuff would be conan okay oh yeah conan rules getting into conan yeah I saw him in Chicago. It was freaking nuts. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, shit. It was at Reggie's. Okay. Yeah. At Reggie's in Chicago, I went and saw them a few years ago, and I ate shit. <laughs> <laughs> ate massive shit in the middle of the uh, things, like where the uh, drainage, uh, the, the drain great is where it dips down oh, man yeah conan uh conan was huge all of black bow including fister like i was really 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 into fister uh around that time see you know primitive man indian oh yeah oh, both I excellent that whole crew i haven't thought about indian in forever speaking yeah. my la- language oh yeah <laughs> yeah seriously as an edgy teenager i got into occultism and then i uh found out about this band called In Satanity. They're an old school death metal band. And the lead singer, he was in like the Church of Satan shit. And then he left. And then uh, he has a whole media page talking about everything, uh, basically. Mm. 
basically finding his band through through him led me to basically uh, Skinless, and Skinless was the, the turning point of getting into death okay. metal. Uh, since then, it was all about you know Morbid Angel, fucking Obituary, all the classics, and then uh, there's a lot of a lot of really old demos that never saw the light of day that got reposted on Ken's Death Metal Crypt, and you oh, know, yeah. since then I uh, I've been you know going with it. Also, it helps that I'm super into like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Oh yeah, nice. Magic: The Gathering, the Forgotten Realms books, and everything. I'm sure that helps with some of the storytelling. With the with the music, gives a little bit of inspiration. Actually, no. no? <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah, so I had found the name Bloodspawn by playing Elder Scrolls Online, and that was uh, the armor set. Yeah. The best armor set forever. Yeah. And then they fucking changed it (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so i was like i gotta do it you know if i'm if i'm gonna write riffs might as well have a name with it and it was going to be all inspired by occultism and spirituality in general and so i had written a ton of riffs uh concocted like 15 minutes of music and then i went to craigslist and started looking for uh members because you know, I've been in St. Louis since 2014, and I I still don't really know anybody. So, you know, there's nowhere to look people of like-mindedness. Uh, where did you live previously? Previously to St. Louis, I lived in Arkansas. Oh, okay. That comes out of, like, uh, my childhood going into high school. Went to high school in St. Louis, Parkway South. I fucking hate that. Place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You came from Arkansas and then the high school into St. Louis. I bet you that was a wild transition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was crazy because like what there's maybe two hundred kids in the whole building right. in Arkansas, and then St. Louis is like sixteen hundred. Yeah. God, dude. The year that I went is. It was intense. Yeah, that's that's crazy. But I've moved around a lot growing up, so like I don't want to say that everybody's the same, but there are a lot of like the same faces sure. almost everywhere. So it wasn't really too weird. Like I understood that. And so it wasn't too weird as far as like interacting with people and stuff. And that's where I started getting back into music and uh, my friend group and everything. So I'm sure moving to St. Louis gave you more, many more opportunities too to find people of like-mindedness or similar interests or to riff around with or whatever, jam around with, whatever the case is too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually super surprised that uh, this project has gone as far as it's gone because, you know, we're the, we're the Craigslist band, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're all... You know, randoms from like bass player was super involved in the scene back in the day, the death metal scene. I forget what bands he was in, but he's what uh, Harkonnen. Oh, okay. Oh, Harkonnen. Yeah, we're very familiar with them. They were they were very popular back in the day. Whenever Ridge and I were in the scene, and uh, our buddy Jason filled in dr- on drums for them at some point, I think maybe on some recordings. Yeah, Jason Asbury. Okay, so basically all of their side projects or their projects from the '90s. I think that uh, from what Brent was saying, there's two or three main death metal bands around here at the time. I have no idea. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, he's all friends with them. So I, I'm pretty sure we all have mutual friends. Yeah. But I'm super surprised that we all came together the way we did because originally I had hit up both of them off of Craigslist. I met with Brent first at a Utopia and uh, I showed him all my riffs for the original blood spawn and uh he learned them all 
very good musician. And then uh, after that, I think it was COVID. I think COVID hit, and then we stopped communicating because um, I guess the world didn't know what to do right. at sure. that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, almost a full year later, Nigel, the drummer, he uh, uh, contacts me back. Hey, I got free time now. It's jam. And so uh, within the first month of us meeting, we had made the song Flesh and the song Bone. I had uh, made the concept of Flesh, Bone, Blood for the first release because it had ties to uh, uh, like animal alchemy. And okay. in animal alchemy, you separate the flesh, the bones, and the bloods and purify them to their base essence and all that for necromancy. Super edgy. And so we, uh, I, was, I was pitching it to Nigel after we made the songs. Me and Nigel, we're, we joke about everything. We just make everything a joke. And so uh, instead of purifying them to their base essence to uh, like commit necromancy, you just get high. <laughs> <laughs> smoke the flesh, smoke, smoke the bone, drink the blood, whatever. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Get loaded. <laughs> yeah, that kind, of, uh, that kind of theme has kept on. And uh, Very we, cool. have, uh, we have six songs titled uh, Human Spliff. And so it's all about smoking humans to get high. That's pretty much what it's turned into. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's a sick concept. I love it. So I, I would suppose that, you know, with these themes, it's actually probably helping with the creativity, though, in crafting these songs for you guys, too. It's making it fun. Oh, Everybody's yeah. more engaged on multiple levels. Oh, yeah. Multiple levels. And then uh, we even have like a, a gore grind project. It's not recorded or written or anything, but we got the song names. They're pretty goofy. If <laughs> <laughs> it, it follows along the same lines, and so hell yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that ever happens. But we had made flesh and bone, and then whenever we finally got to the recording process, we had made blood on the spot. Those actually, that was one of those like fifteen minute songs. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was playing drums. I was recording him play drums, just warming up, and I uh, found a section. I'm like, oh shit, stop what you're doing. Wrote riffs, and he's like, oh shit, stop what you're doing. <laughs> and, then, and then he uh, play, basically played the full drum track, and then I added the guitars onto it, you know, without the song fully written, and that's what it turned into. That's wow. awesome, man. Oh god, that would be wild. That is yeah. wild. I would not want to do that. You have to go back and remember what you wrote so you can play it live. Yeah. Yeah. That's always the challenge there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the whole goal with us is to keep it as simple as you can without uh, making it monotonous. And, of course, you're going to have some monotony with songwriting. Right, but, yeah. You know, we try and stay in that, you know, three and a half minutes maximum per song kind of deal. Yeah, well, nowadays it's hard with people's attention spans trending shorter and shorter, too. Right, yeah. And the live music scene, I don't think anybody really knew what it would be or might be after COVID as well, especially in our areas. You know, St. Louis is typically a little bit more leans on the Democratic side of things more times than not and are a little bit more aggressive with some of the COVID protocols and things of that ilk. So nobody really knew that it would come back. I feel like it's come back very strong because I've there's been a lot of you know, issues with booking shows, even, you know, touring bands are trying to get dates six months out. St. Louis was already booked. Just like with like vaccine checks and shit like that. I mean, it's yeah, yeah very complicated, I'm sure. Yeah. Basically, that's why it took us so long to get out playing shows is because uh, two of us can't get vaccinated, like per doctor's orders. Yeah. Right. You know, as pre-existing conditions can't get vaccinated, it'll stop your heart. 
we've been having to sit on the sidelines basically this whole time. We've we've met a lot of really cool people though. That's I can't be more thankful because uh, everybody's super cool. Super. Cool. So I know that you guys had some shows in the works, you know, prior to the event that took place. You know, what, can you tell us about what kind of shows you guys did have in the forecast previously? Where you, what venues you guys were going to play, that sort of thing. So you know, there's people too. There's we're going to probably have a few casuals that drop in and kids that might be interested in playing this type of music. And they, we really need to know that there's venues out there that are fostering this type of you know environment. Yes, the next show we had booked was with uh, Suprogenus, Coagulate, and Varlock, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and then that Monday we were going to come down and play with uh, Sadistic Ritual, and uh, I forget who else was on the bill, and then we had one booked in September with Shitstorm Trooper, uh, Daybringer, I think it was Daybringer, or it was the, might have been the other project. Path of Might, maybe? Path of Might, maybe. Yeah. And then I think Swamp Lion. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember. Had that show booked. I was in the process of booking uh, uh, Moiscus. We were going to play Moiscus uh, in <laughs> September as well. And I love Moiscus. They're so fucking sick. It's probably one of my favorite bands right now. I need to get into it. I'm just... I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Man. Uh, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. It's <laughs> <laughs> like one of the things you got to delve into, I guess. You got to watch the drum cam. You got to watch the drum cam to... To get it, yeah. Because like, dude playing drums, he is a, uh, he's an absolute monster. The way he approaches drumming is very interesting. There's only one other guy that I can think of off the top of my head, and he's on the other side of the world that does stuff similar to that. Yeah. Snare tone. Yeah. Perfect. Best snare tone ever. Speaking of drum cams, I've been all about watching the drummer from Full of Hell's drum cams lately. That guy is a fucking monster too. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. He is nuts. He goes freaking nuts. His other band, Jarhead Fertilizer, they're super sick. Their album, most recent album, is to me a masterpiece. You know, especially coming from, you know, they used to be just like a tr- traditional grind band and stuff, and then they developed the death metal stuff and <laughs> took it to another level. Yeah. So I think I listened to like the debut that they put out, and it was just mostly grind. So I'll have to check out. I haven't listened to anything past that. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's way more death metal. Way more death metal. Way more double kicks. Kind of cool to see that coming back, too, because it seemed like, yeah. you know what I mean? It kind of seemed like everybody was kind of stepping away from that for a while. Yeah, kind of like the boom of it, I think, was kind of like late 90s into the mid-2000s and yeah. started to kind of die off. Yeah, it's cool. so it's cool. It's kind of nostalgic sound, so it's cool to hear it coming back and getting popular again. Yeah. yeah. So to circle back to your other question earlier, uh, what brought me up was basically uh what metallica megadeth slayer a lot of uh alternative rock a lot of it was dictated by uh the adults and everything right. sure so you right your alice, yeah. alice in chains and your creed and your stained oh yeah yeah man <laughs> Yeah, I actually grew up in Jefferson County, so it's like... Yeah, we're, we're about the same down here in St. Francis County, yeah, too, in Iron County. It's <laughs> not far off. Two sides of the same coin, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I was born in Festus and, you know, moved around all uh, all around Jefferson County and then went to Arkansas and came back. Whenever I got into guitar, it was uh, seven years old. When I got my first guitar, it was a Squire Mini Strat, and I had learned all Black Sabbath riffs <laughs> yeah. and Metallica riffs. 
and uh, that probably did me the best uh, than I would have imagined, because especially whenever I got into the Doom stuff, it was all, you know, Sabbath riffs. Right. Sabbath 1 through 6, just like, <laughs> play that when I die. Yep, no yeah. shit. Start to finish. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we've actually got a few questions coming in on Twitch. Uh, Josh pointed out one to me earlier. Josh, you want to read the question? That yeah, it got? says, uh, question for Blood Spawn. What product do you use on your hair? And follow-up question, do you use Spawn of, spawn of Blood to condition it? <laughs> uh, no. To be honest, this is sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so you heard it first, guys. You heard it first. And then uh, also uh, somebody wanted to let you know they're watching it from Pilot Mouth. Oh, okay. What so the fuck? nice. <laughs> not too far from here. So there we go. Hell yeah! That's uh, hell yeah. What high school area? Or yeah, high school area. <laughs> yep. So anybody who hasn't checked out Bloodspawn yet today, if you're catching this audio drop that comes in our regular podcast feed later, you will get a chance to hear a Bloodspawn single that Noah was so kind to offer the show to use to help promote their music Absolutely, as well. So, But I'm sure between now and then, you can go to many outlets. A lot of people have Spotify, for example. Uh, they can be found on Spotify. You guys have a band camp as well, right, Noah? Yeah, we're uh, everywhere. Is there, you guys got any special uh, merch or anything available on your band camp right now that people could purchase as well? Uh, we did. We had, not on our band camp, we had the rest of the cassette drop from uh, Corpse Gristle. We had run out of cassettes. I posted uh one batch and uh they all sold out and he sent them to me i had yet to post them we also just you know got shirts in and then uh the flood kind of ruined all of that right yeah all those tapes are gone i was lucky enough to get one though yeah <laughs> yeah, you yeah. seriously it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of the last in existence uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. one of a Super kind exclusive <laughs> <laughs> yeah Better check the price on Discogs later. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. It's super comfy. I'm not oh, going to get man. rid of it. We mentioned Fister earlier whenever uh, last time I talked to Marcus, he was telling me how some of their singles were going up like insanely on Discogs. He wouldn't have believed, you know, some of the limited runs that they do. But, you know, sometimes... Yeah, uh, that 10-inch that they did. I, sometimes you get that exposure, too, through certain mediums, though, like streams or whatever the case is. One thing I did notice about your band is I saw you guys on several different, uh, like, tape streams or recommended on social media by other folks, too. Have you have you noticed a bump in maybe listens or exposure or people reaching out to you, a la these streams or these recommendations? From the beginning or recently? I guess what I noticed was mostly in the last 18 months or so, but uh, my timeline could be off. Yeah, thanks to a lot of really cool people i know i i actually i found out about you guys from a wharf lurch uh stream and you had commented something like from from st louis or something like that and i was like oh shit i gotta check <laughs> this out and then i like went to your page and seeing there's a death metal like a you know a going pretty decent death metal band in st louis and i was like okay i gotta check this out and like listen to it and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> yeah dude shout out mike yeah shout out mike from Warf lurch shout out uh dismal fate records shout out corpse gristle records uh shout out may vizzle shout out night shift merch um there's a bunch i'm looking okay 618314 underground thank you guys primitive pathologists uh, Dirt Riffs, Midwest Morning, VM Underground, Raw and Extreme Magazine. Thank you guys. Yep. The, you guys. Also, many, many people. There's, whenever we uh, released 
three tracks on Bandcamp. We posted on Bandcamp before we did uh, posted them on DistroKid. We used DistroKid to put them on all the uh, platforms. And so uh, I was insanely surprised how receptive everybody was to Bandcamp release because I had run, that was the only marketing run that I did. I did five days. We had made a bunch of memes of ourselves, making fun of ourselves, <laughs> and then posted them, and then everybody starts reposting them, posting them on their stories and everything, mostly just Instagram. And then I think the first week, there's like 400 reposts. Most of our following came from that one week. And then since then, uh, it's just been climbing you know so good to hear man yeah it's it's all diy too yeah seriously how many pressings has the tape went through because i know what dismal, dismal fate pressed it first didn't they yeah dismal fate pressed it first they did they did the all white all white and black and then corpse gristle did the second pressing and then they included the i call it the flesh because it's kind of pink yeah. and then the blood see-through red nice. oh yeah i would like to get another i would like to get as many as i can because printing them myself is insanely fucking expensive. Oh, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Insanely expensive. I would love to do, uh, like, seven inches, too. Seven inches would be super sick. Yeah. I just remember back in the day whenever we would make even CD sleeves and stuff, just the insane cost that you go through in ink, and ink itself is obscene. Yeah. It doesn't last, right. No, yeah. but, but fortunately I was able to do a lot of that through work so <laughs> <laughs> nice well, that one time we just like sat in jake's garage and just like cut yeah freaking cases out for like i don't know how many hours just and drinking spray painted. beer and fucking oh yeah when we spray painted <laughs> yeah, we spray painted cds and then we like painted some of them with like nail polish and then we did like custom designs on like five different cds oh yeah and then you'd have that random person hey you fucked up my cd player yeah because like, they would like you know it, it would get hot and like the nail yeah. polish would run and get inside the or cd spray player paint. Yeah. it's not not a good deal <laughs> it was fun though but DIY stuff, we're, we were always really into that sort of stuff. We've been talking about your music as well that's recorded out there digitally for everybody to consume. And then obviously you have the physical media with the tapes that are in circulation currently. But I don't want to jump the gun too much. Where did you guys record? Did you guys self-track? Did you guys do this at a studio in St. Louis? What was the approach? So literally we um, got a computer, had an interface. We bought a bunch of mics and recorded it ourselves. And then I mixed and mastered all of it. The one thing that I did do that I didn't like that I did was uh, uh, DI guitar tracks. There were there were no live live guitar cabs, and uh, I'm really kicking myself in the butt about it because we have a 1984 JCM800 oh, yeah. uh, lead series, and that's that's what I you know that's what I play out of, and um, I did not get any recordings off of that other than the solos. So all of the solos on there are JCM-800, and then the rest are uh, JCM-800 VST and then a 5150 VST. Okay. It's thick, Super kicking myself <laughs> in the butt about that. It yeah. still sounds big. It's, yeah, it's it good, it and I love awesome. the yeah. reverb on the drums. <laughs> like, I don't know what your drum situation was when you were recording that, but I just like the sound oh, of it. Oh, it was yeah. all dry. Yeah, that's reverbs all post. And, and what type of mics were you using on the drums? The drums, we had a uh, shitty CAD mic kit. Uh, what It was a, a CAD kick drum yeah, mic, yeah. Tom mics. And I think we had 157 on the snare and then two CAD pencil mics overhead. 
and then I can't remember if I put a room mic in or not. I don't, yeah, I put a room mic in. Well, that definitely helps with natural reverb in the room too. Yeah, the room mic is, is where it's at. That's, yeah. that's where you want to squash everything. And then, uh, let's see, the uh, room mic I used at AT2035, this guy. Oh yeah. I put this guy on a shock mount and stuffed him in a corner. There's still, there's still mud and shit on these, but uh, these are what we use to record. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, God, yeah, those are those old school like, CAD Tom mics. I've, yeah, we've used some of those before. Yeah, and so I uh, actually put these on the bottom uh, to get the boom. Okay. And then I use the overheads to fill in the tops. I do, the, uh, I do something similar with snare. snare uh, the snare mic is a, a dark tone, and then all the... Uh, brights are overhead. I like it. It helps add separation to the sound. I like your approach of micing below the the drums as well. Ridge and I just saw failure a couple months ago, and that's they had a very unique micing arrangement on the drums. I've never seen drums mic'd as heavily as they had them, but they had several different mics <laughs> on the bass drum as well as the toms uh, on the on the lower shell. Wow. They were thunderous. I mean, they were they were the loudest thing in the place. If we're being real, I'm an audio engineer first, and then a musician. I can't play guitar well, you know. I'm a, I'm a bass player at heart, you know. I can play guitar for real, for realsies. I'm an engineer, rather than a musician or artist or whatever. Well, I, I think your guys' recordings sound great, especially oh, yeah. for the genre. It's kind of hard to have an overall unique sound or tone in your recordings that translate through, and I, I think some of your approaches is, has actually allowed that to shine through on your recording. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I was uh, super surprised with uh, how it all got together. Super thankful, and I think I think it's going to be one of those sounds that will probably define the rest of my musical career. Let's talk a little bit about... What happened with the flood getting the weeds there, too? I know we've alluded to it several times here, and I'm sure some of the folks that are probably watching or listening now have, have seen some of our social media posts that we've talked about. I know that you guys, in, in what I read at least or saw posted, a lot of your musical equipment was in the basement of the home. Is this your drummer's home? Yeah, this is uh, Nigel's home. All of our gear was in the basement. Damn, man. All of it, yeah. Except for this USB stick, which has the new album that I have yet to work on because we don't have anything. (laughs) (laughs) Then my Warrior. Those those are the only two things that weren't in there, and I had gone and got them the day before because I uh, finished all the guitar tracks that day and was going to go back the next day and reamp the uh, DI tracks into the... JC And then Mother Earth was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> then the Earth and the what what really happened is the uh, the sewer system uh, fucked up. Oh, Whoever shit. was working the controls. <sighs> Whoever was working the controls at the sewer, they had I don't know if I should talk about it. Let me ask you oh, this. No, Have no. you guys I, I've also seen here recently Riverfront Times just did a piece where some of the Insurance companies are trying to tell people that they didn't actually endure a flood. I don't know if your drummer's home was insured in any way, but wow. has he had any issues that you're aware of with insurance companies? Uh, yeah, there's some issues. It's in a flood zone, and basements aren't covered in flood zones. Oh, shit. And uh, the square footage isn't even cutter- covered under a flood zone, so you could have like a 700-square-foot house, but it could actually be a 1,400-square-foot house, but it's just in a flood zone and the basement's not included, you know? It's shitty, man. Yeah, it's all—it's a total loss. It—it it started around, 
I think, uh, if I remember right, three in the morning they woke up. Around eight o'clock in the morning is whenever they had all the water uh, pumped out. So it was about five hours, four or five hours of uh, just soaking. I stopped myself, but actually I don't. I don't think it's gonna do any harm. The sewer system, uh, whoever was working controls, forgot to put everything back on automatic before he went home. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. So all of, all of that water came up from everybody's uh, uh, storm drains. Unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. And uh, the sewer people actually never came uh, to help. The neighborhood, pretty much the entire neighborhood, got... Um, like condemned? Condemned. Yeah, yeah. condemned. Damn. They... They condemned 51 homes and kicked everybody out of their home. Holy fuck, Dear man. God. Yeah, somebody needs to answer so, for that, in my opinion. Yeah. No question. The reason why I know about the controls thing is because somebody I know saw it on a police report. Ah. Oh, wow. That's why I was like, I don't know if I should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if it's not already common knowledge, it's, it's just a matter of time. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't really frequent the uh, the local news, but that just seems like a piece that is just waiting to be published if it hasn't already. Right. And uh, the sewers taking names and information of who all was affected by it. They're saying they're going to give everybody a bunch of money, but back in 08, the same thing happened and they didn't, nobody got any money. In 08, they were actually way more forceful about the uh, uh, condemnations. They, they would actually stand outside the house with horns, bullhorns, yeah. saying, you know, if there's anybody in this house, you need to leave now or else we're coming in and getting you, basically. And so they forcibly took people from their own home. Well, one would have to think perhaps, though, back on that occasion, too, this is just me being hopeful, that maybe there's been some subsequent, like, litigious things take place, you know, like lawsuits and what have you, and maybe they know now what they need to do to get ahead of this, and perhaps they will eventually help compensate, but that doesn't do anything for anybody right now, obviously. People don't have homes. Yeah, right, and right. And particularly in your guys' case, even further further unique is the fact that not only was your drummer's goods damaged and lost, it, you know, the bandmates were as well, so. Right. Yeah, I, I assume bass rig, you know, obviously the drummer stuff, all your stuff with the exception of your guitar and your USB cable you just showed us, that's a, that's a lot. And recording stuff, I would imagine, right. too. Maybe yeah. interfaces. Yeah, around $25,000. Holy Good fuck, Lord, man. Yeah, that's crazy. All we can do now, we're getting the tiles tested to see if they're asbestos. If they're not, we're going to throw rugs throw rugs down, build build some you know dividers and shit, uh, put some foam and carpet and stuff on them, and rehearse so we can at least play shows. Right. Sadly, I've had to turn down like two shows in the past week. You know, a braided's coming with Corrupted Saint on the uh, 27th. And they're like, hey, we really, really want you guys on it. I'm like, bro, you don't understand. We want to be on it. We just can't. can't. Right. Yeah. We want to be. So you can use our gear. I'm like, bro, we haven't practiced in six weeks because of this. Like, yeah. Right. So taking it day by day and uh, as the days go by, becoming a little more, a uh, little easier to uh, deal with. In, in no way, shape or form is it easy. Uh, no. The whole week, that, that whole week, I was, I don't know how I'm not sick. Because I was swimming around in that freaking lake water or creek water, whatever it is, river water. Yeah. And because uh, the the neighborhood's all old people and there's nobody coming to help them, right? So yeah. You know, if if you see someone outside struggling with a big piece of furniture after they just got flooded out, you go help them. Right. You know. Right. What I mean? Yeah. So that's basically what I was doing all week. 
uh, that week, and I did not get sick. I was. You must have a good immune system, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, right. It's smoking all that flesh, man. Yeah, yeah. smoking all them fucking humans. It's the key to the white blood cell count, apparently. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You did get to play a great show though. Before that, I when you played with Obscene and Mortiscold. Yeah, dude, how was that? Yeah, that was a sick time, man. That was super sick. That was a really good energy for uh, a first show. I don't think. I don't think we messed up at all. Hell yeah. We even popped out with a couple new riffs, like on the spot, little jam session, and then into the rest of the set. It was a really, really cool vibe. There was a lot of really cool people there. Shout out Lauren Gornick. I don't know if she'll see this or not, but I had sent her a package and it got sent back to me. And um, just to prove... (laughs) (laughs) Just to prove I have not forgotten about it. I still still got uh, one of the only tapes and shirts in existence so hell yeah man uh, where'd you guys play the show at at the uh platypus okay platypus it was a really cool vibe oh yeah really cool vibe yeah i was bummed i missed that one because my daughter got i think she got strep that time Uh, she had strep i remember you telling me like four times in a row but i was like getting ready and then already planned on going and then that day yeah she got sick yeah, I, I was I, really pumped to see Obscene, like, and yeah, you guys. Dude, they're sick. The Mortal Skull guys were super cool. Uh, you know, I, I had I had listened to them whenever I was uh, first getting into death metal. You know, you go through the history and everything, and I uh, was listening to them a lot, actually. And so it was uh, pretty surreal being in the same room with them and then also uh, play music before them, also with them staring at my right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nerve-wracking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so uh, that was really cool. All the people were sick. All the people were super cool. There was no bad energy. And, uh, you know, I'm really thankful for everybody that came out. Yeah, that makes for a perfect night when everything just just right. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I got fucking hammered. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nightcap there. Yeah, yeah nightcap. Exactly. <laughs> I've noticed the platypus has had several uh, heavier shows, too, here, here recently. Oh, um, I think old Tony Saputo's involved in that from... Lie by mistake I, at that I'm restaurant. Not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, he Tony Saputo was in Lie by mistake, and actually, I think Past Life Tiger is getting ready to play a show there again. And uh, he's a pretty cool guy, uh, old Tony Saputo. I don't know if you ever heard Lie by Mistake from back in the day. They're a St. Louis band, three piece. Lie by mistake. I'm not. I really don't know of anybody really except for uh, Animated Dead. They're all old mutual friends of Brent, and uh, you know he's been. Uh, I think once we get going, he's going to try and hook us up. I think we'll be either doing a tour or something very in- intense, but split up because uh, we all have, you know, careers and shit. Can't really uh, take four weeks off at a time right. to go to go play every other night. Right. So I think we're going to take the weekends, focus on certain areas, cities or states. And um, Progenous, uh, we're actually pretty fucking close with Suprogenous. Uh, Nigel and the guitar player grew up together in Kansas and they were in the scene together and uh, so they go way back and uh, I think I think we're going to set up a, uh, a run of shows with them. Dark Druid, Haxon, Scabhag in Ohio. No shit. They want us to come up there really bad so I think we're going to have to go up there this time. Hell yeah. Dude, that'll be sweet. You know, reciprocate the respect, you know. Yeah, Ritual Fog in uh, Tennessee. We need to go see them. 
play with them. Morbid Visions need to go play with them. Moiskus need to go need to go play with them. I was really bummed that I couldn't get the uh, show to work for them. I couldn't find a venue. That was a little bummer, but they said, don't worry about it. You know, there will be more opportunities and yeah. blah, blah, blah. We've got a buddy out near Asheville, uh, Nathan Landhold, who's in Harsh Realm. I don't know if you've had a chance to hear them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and Nathan used to be a big guy in around the St. Louis scene back in the day, too. Champaign, Illinois, really was kind of his his area. Had the old Air Records and, and so on and so forth. But hopefully Nathan hears this and... He can hook you guys up with something out in Nashville, too, if you guys are willing to go out that far. Yeah, man. That would be sick as fuck. That would be super sick. We're all about it. Asheville, in particular, is oddly, like, starting to be a huge booming city for, like, music in particular. They got kind of a crazy music scene going on right now. They're one of the fastest-growing cities in all the United States, so might be some opportunities out there. Yeah. Asheville. You wouldn't think it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Another, another one exactly like that is uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. You know, yeah. I was yeah. like, what the fuck? You know, I just, I just got, <laughs> I just came back from Arkansas. <laughs> and not that, yeah. It's been years, but. <laughs> Man, I, we wanted to go see Ken Mode really bad. Like, the closest place that they're coming is, like, probably Little Ar- Rock, Arkansas. And it's kind of equidistant to a lot of other places, like Nashville. I, I think I checked out a few others. But Arkansas area, I was going to ask you earlier where you grew up down there, because I got a lot of family from the Pocahontas area, actually. Oh, okay. We lived in uh, Harrison, 30 minutes from Branson. Uh, we would always be over in, like, uh, Mountain Home area. Okay. Uh, my brother lives in Fayetteville. Yeah. So, yeah, up in uh, the north northern part of of Arkansas basically right yeah it's it's a bit of a drive but not you know out of question from from here what what had you guys moving around so much if you don't mind me asking I grew up in a split family and uh poverty is basically what it is heard that we moved around a lot when I was right. a kid yeah yeah I think we can all kind of share in those stories that's kind of why I actually I lost my home in the flood of 93 I lived in West Alton Missouri and my dad had family down in Perryville my mom had family in Ironton and that kind of brought us down here in like 93, 94, and we've just kind of bounced around these small towns the whole time, Ironton, Arcadia Valley, Potnam, places like that. But, you know, we ha- still had a lot of family up in St. Louis, so we're, we were always pretty familiar with what was going on in St. Louis and trying to stay connected up there too. Yeah, actually uh, almost my entire dad's side lives over in the St. Genevieve, Ironton okay. area. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. Same neck of the woods almost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How long's the band been together, Bloodspawn? You guys, yeah, I know you, there's a little bit of a layoff with COVID, but technically it sounds like you guys got together before that. Is this like 2019, 2018 you guys got together? End of 2019, okay. whenever I hit both of them up. And I think it was January of 2020 is when I met Brent. And then I believe it was... Uh, August or September of 2020 that I met Nigel. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, with us, uh, with us kind of sitting out, we, we should have been writing, but it's kind of good that we didn't, uh, just so we could let this, uh, three tracks kind of settle, stir, run its course type of deal. Right. And, um, and then go from there because I, I wouldn't know how to handle it if, you know, I got this this ep going nuts i got to do a bunch of orders for these and all that and then i got this one that just came out and it's blowing up in the same uh rate and i got to do orders for all that and then you know interviews and everything and uh, i was doing a school full-time around then so i mean i wouldn't have been been able to swing it actually uh school is a big part of why we have not written 
a lot of music within the two years. What are you majoring in? Are you an audio engineer? Or? No, I, uh, I, my majors are in uh, residential HVAC and major appliances. Okay. Awesome, yeah. My dad does HVAC, so. Yeah. Oh, or my really? stepdad. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, ranking was really fun. I, I was uh, never a school guy. I uh, uh, tried to drop out of high school and they wouldn't let me, so they made me do Missouri Options and uh get my diploma that way and but uh going to ranking i you know well you got to be interested in it and you yeah. got to take it seriously but it's a little bit more trade focused there too yeah yeah I, I enjoyed it so much more so much more i honestly would go back again if i needed to hell yeah <laughs> yeah i've heard good stuff about ranking that's another interesting thing too that you brought up is you know not having the ability to take all that time off to kind of tour at the moment because you guys all have careers too. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't realize this that even some of the more popular bands I mentioned, Kenbo earlier, they're only doing a three week tour because they all have jobs too, right. and they're from Canada. You know, so people don't understand the hoops that you know these guys got day jobs, and while this might be a side hustle, it doesn't mean it. It's not in the dreams of being, you know, your primary focus in life or career, right. if you will. But everybody's got to make that cheddar in between. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's basically taking all of your vac- vacation and personal time out to go right. to her. That's that's kind of a bummer, when it, especially when you have like a wife and kids and stuff. And right. that you know that's especially difficult because most of the time you have other family that's in another state and you got to take time off to go visit them right, and all that. Right. Totally get it. You guys rock, I guess, as a three-piece all the time. Is that right? Or you guys have more members than that? We have been a two-piece. Uh, me and Nigel have been a two-piece this entire time up until, uh, I think, February of this year. Uh, we had Brent. Uh, we had went to the Nile Incantation Sanguisugabog show and then he was there and I had my Bloodspawn shirt on. I was like, holy shit, where have you been? You know, he's uh, said, I'm trying to look for people to jam with still. I'm like, come on by. (laughs) It's really funny because I met I met Brent before I met Nigel and Nigel met Brent before he met me all all in the same conversation. And then so (laughs) we all we all meet and then split off and then we all come back as as freaking hilarious as well (laughs) strange hand that fate has dealt you all (laughs) yeah yeah seriously yeah we we tried out a bunch of people i think we've tried out close to close to 10 in the in the in the year year or two span of coming out with the ep and uh it's it's really difficult it's it's hard to find other people that'll just you know show up and play you know Mm -hmm. Is the intent to stay lean and mean, stay stay a trio? Or are you looking to add to the band or anything of that? Old? I think that's it. Three three piece. That's all you need. Hey, it works, uh, man. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Bloodspawn is one of those projects where you need other people. I mean, of course, I could use a rhythm section so I could rip solos on Fleshbone and Blood, but uh, all of Human Spliff, uh, I don't I don't think is going to have any solos. At least for the first four tracks, there are no solos. Uh, at all and so uh, it's all it's all riffs uh, very bass driven this one's gonna be way more bass driven yeah yeah Conan basically yeah <laughs> I can't wait to hear it there's nothing wrong with that yeah if you mix like Conan and Dying Fetus that's pretty much what it's gonna sound like if you can imagine that I don't know yeah I can with you guys staying lean and mean 
that kind of actually helps you in the long game too whenever you guys do get those opportunities to go on tour and uh you don't have to as many miles to feed and and uh you know accommodate as many schedules exactly accommodate as many schedules low overhead in the sense that you know you guys could probably get away with sleeping in a van and and things of that ilk too yep exactly yep and uh you know, thankfully, thankfully we we make just enough to where we don't have to worry about that. But um, yeah, I totally totally get it with other people, especially whenever you know it's like four, maybe five people, and you know you don't have money to go to uh, a hotel, and you you have to sleep five people in one van. That's that's rough. Yeah. That's super rough. Especially if you're sleeping with a fucking snore like Ridge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> no, I just make really weird, like, cat noises and snores <laughs> And whimpering. Yeah. <laughs> These weird whimpers. I do some weird stuff when I sleep, but I don't know why. Like, Your shadow awakens. <laughs> <laughs> the true form takes shape. True form. <laughs> I woke up the other the other morning and I didn't have any clothes on and I had no idea what, <laughs> how that happened. You're like you're like wife, did I touch you last night? I what asked happened? her. I was like I was like what happened last night? She was like nothing. And I was like well, why was I naked? <laughs> Said what kind of nothing does that mean? <laughs> Great disdain. She looked at <laughs> We're taking a look at our Twitch chat here to see if we got any more questions for you before we move on to the next question from us here in house just mostly comments yeah we got mostly comments josh has done a good job of uh promoting once again the gofundme url in the chat today so a lot of folks have gotten an opportunity to take a look at that we've talked about the gear that you did have and you know some of the gear that you would have preferred to record your live tracks with the jcm 8 uh, 800 excuse me what kind of gear did you guys have you know prior to the event and and were you guys really married to the gear that you were using. Yes, we were super married to the gear that we had. 1984 JCM 800 came from Sony Studios in uh, uh, England. Holy 20 shit! Years ago. Damn, Ooh. Nigel. Yeah, Nigel's dad actually used to book a lot of shows in like the 70s and 80s. He like has he's booked like Led Zeppelin and shit before. Uh, he booked Slipknot's. He booked Slipknot's first show at the Red Rocks before they were famous. Holy like, when shit! When they had. F- Mate feed, uh, mate feed, kill, repeat. Yeah. That they they played Iowa because they had just gotten Corey in, so they were playing Iowa to nobody at the Red Rocks. Wow. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, to nobody at the Red Rocks, and then the next year they came back and sold it out in ten minutes. So shit like that. A lot of old bands like Jefferson Airplane. So a lot of those classic rock bands. And so Nigel's dad took Nigel and his brother out to England to uh, get it. They went to Sony Studios went to the warehouse and they picked out a, a, a guitar guitar amp and a drum set. Drum set isn't here anymore. Uh, I think it's in a garage in Kansas, but it was a uh, it was a Tama Grandstar uh, black. Oh wow! What we had in the basement was a uh, Yamaha Stage Custom. I think it was the Indonesian model. Whenever they made them in Indonesia, yeah. uh, had like the. Uh, uh, the maroon stain on it, no gloss, so super slick. I th- I don't think it took up much water. It may be salvageable, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. A snare drum was a, uh, a Japanese Yamaha copper four-inch piccolo. 
super sick sounds amazing yeah probably the best snare i've ever heard bass amp bass amp we we were using a just a harky xl 810 and then uh brent he has actually a he he has a full rig at home and he uses uh the dark glass amps oh yeah so he he just got one of those and it sounds killer plugged it in sounded perfect didn't touch it guys particular with cab choices i really like oranges I really like orange cabs. Anything else, I like it with a greenback. Okay. It has to have uh, greenbacks. If it's like a slanted anything, it has to have greenbacks. That's what my cab's filled with. Greenbacks? Yeah, I just yeah, got four greenbacks in it, but they're blown to hell. Oh, really? Man. Yeah, so I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna buy... I'm either buying eight or 12 because we have, uh, we have three Marshall cabs that need to be fully redone. Thankfully, the cabs didn't take much water, so I think all we need to do is get new boards for the back, get new cabs, or I mean, uh, get new speakers, uh, get new outlet jacks, and basically uh, build it. Um, but the skeleton, like the bones, I think are, are fine. Whenever you knock on, them, knock on them, it doesn't sound waterlogged. So I have no idea why it is the way it is, but I think it's good. Well, that Tolex probably, are they wrapping Tolex? Probably help repel some of the water from soaking in, too. Yeah, yeah. So one of them was a, uh, the matching 800, and then two of them were just your normal 1960A JCM 900 cabs with the uh, G12Ts in them. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the G12Ts. There's not enough low end. Um, so I... Uh, what I'll be doing is putting green greenbacks and everything. I run a uh, uh, stereo uh, guitar rig, so I'll have the the main amp, and then I'll have another cab with another amp, um, and that that's what thickens everything up. Because uh, whenever you play just with one cab and then one bass amp, you get lost in the sound a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't really doesn't really do it. Kind of. Kind of takes one testicle away, and then you yeah, know, right. At the second cab, and brings it back, and <laughs> yeah. upset. Yeah. And, and so uh, you're finally a whole so man. <laughs> yeah, seriously, finally a whole man. I'm a, I'm a real man. <laughs> I took uh, I took the 800 and my Ampeg V4B to Killer Vintage to have the amp tech look at them. He's rebuilt the 800 for us once before so if he can do it once he can do it again type of deal i'll pay him whatever pay him whatever it takes yeah um, the v4b i don't think i don't think anything's wrong with it but i took it just in case and then depending on what the verdict verdict is for those i'll bring the uh, 900 because we also have a 900 whenever it gets to the point of setting back up i'll be using the 800 and the uh, 900 uh stereo very cool. Nice. Not to uh, make too hard of a shift here, and I didn't mean to gloss over it earlier. You'd mentioned once you got into your teenage years, you were kind of fascinated with, got into the occult, and I always enjoy occult talk. What what led you down that path a little bit more so, and, and do you still kind of visit those, those materials and those things today? So I was raised Southern Baptist Christian, and uh, as you can assume, it was extremely repulsing. Basically, once I hit my teenage years, desperately trying to make sense of the universe, basically. And uh, I know it's impossible to, but having some sort of footing is a good 
place to start. And so I had uh, gotten into Alan Watts, uh, started listening to a lot of Alan Watts. He, he's, not, he's not in occultism necessarily, but he does a lot of like the magical speak, you know. And so that, uh, that was awesome. Honestly, Jordan Peterson talking about Carl Jung. Carl Jung is a, a huge, huge inspiration. And then from there, it developed into uh, Hermeticism and uh, the Golden Dawn. Um, because you're into it, hold on. I got I got something for you. This should be fascinating. All right. Golden Dawn. Oh, wow. By Israel, Regal- Israel Regardi, volumes one through four, plus Bar- Garden of Pomegranates. Wow. There was a previous owner of this book, uh, Wes Gin- Ginder. Wes Ginder, G-I-N-D-E-R. And uh, he has annotations all over this thing. Oh, dude. That's That's incredible, dude. He's got got bookmarks uh, in here. Uh, Like, he's got bookmark here for uh, diagrams, uh, meditation. What is this? Incredible. I forget what this is. Way to go, Wes, man. Yeah. (laughs) I think this is the part where he goes through the, the languages. See, shit... He highlights underlines stuff. shit. Yeah, yeah, it. highlights and underlines stuff. That's difficult to see, but uh, whoever this dude is, he made it really digestible. Like he took all of the, uh, all of the meat of, uh, of the work and uh, put it, put it all pretty easy to uh, follow, because uh, it's easy to get lost in the. Um, I don't want to say fluff, but it kind sure. of is fluff. Right. You, know, you got you to gotta explain stuff. But. Right. It can get really intimidating to even start because a lot of it goes over your head. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they got, uh, they got like diagrams, how to set up like your ritual rooms and stuff. Wow. And all sorts of crazy, crazy cool stuff in here. Uh, I'm a super huge fan of uh, Israel Regardi and all of his work. Everything that he's done has been super pure, you know. Super pure, and uh, where all this started, really, uh, as far as uh, practice, was uh, the Eastern stuff, like Qigong, mm-hmm. um, doing the doing the chi balls and elating the tinfoil pyramids and all that shit. Wigged out, basically. Wigged out. Um, I had uh, uh, indulged in psychedelics, and um, that was uh, a life-changing experience. Um, I did it very uh, irresponsibly. <laughs> what psychedelics are we talking here? Let's get uh, specific. Mainly, mainly acid, but the most uh, most important ones were uh, mushrooms, DMT. I was going to ask if you had dabbled with DMT. Yeah, DMT, not too much. Around, around the time that I uh, had got my hands on DMT, I had already been basically bitch slapped by the universe (laughs) and so i was i was a little little cautious and so i didn't didn't smoke nearly as much as i uh could have sure there's this uh substance called 4-aco dmt and it's uh it's basically powdered silicin so uh the digestive process of mushrooms goes mushrooms psilocybin then silicin and uh in between there 4-ACO-DMT is one of those alterations of the molecule. So you can buy legally powdered form of 4-ACO-DMT and you ingest it and it instantly you start tripping. And um, it, was, it was nuts. I wow. put it in my water. I put, uh, I think, point 
one two five micrograms. It's either point two point one two five or point oh two five. It's just like the smallest yeah. little amount into the water, down it, take a shit, and before you can get done pissing, you're tripping. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, man. my God. <laughs> Interdim- interdimensional beings and all, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, that was... That shit's fucking weird, you know? It's it's, it's all fun and games until, you know, the, the machines present themselves and start talking to you. Yeah. Start venturing into the fourth and fifth dimensions. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, that's... It's crazy, and, uh, you know, I stressed myself out way too bad on that, but, you know, I kind of needed to, uh, to satisfy, uh, the child in me, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're, when you're raised in that kind of atmosphere, you kind of feel like your childhood's taken from you, you're kind of forced to live a certain way, so, yeah, Yeah. I get it. I mean, I grew up in the same situation. Well, not very same, but similar situation, I should say. Yeah, I grew up in a United Pentecostal church. So yeah, yeah, until, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's basically likened it to an occult, yeah. especially the politics that are involved and how they try to remove you from society, right? Uh, and yeah. everything else, you know, especially going through your adolescent years and being that far removed from society and having to dress a certain way, you know, especially if you do the apostolic teachings, which the churches that I went to did. It just makes it very hard for you to travel through those formative years that you already feel awkward and trying to find right. your place as it is. You know, it took me forever to get over that. I know probably I didn't externalize that to a lot of people, but I mean, it, it was very difficult. And, uh, you know, even today, I consider myself agnostic, although I think I'm an atheist, but it's just things have been ingrained into me psychologically so bad for so many years. Like, I just have this lingering... Uh, I don't know, like repulsion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like it's it's something that I can't control. But I've heard a lot of people using back to our discussion on you know, psychedelics and mushrooms in particular to help kind of get over some of those hurdles, mental hurdles. I've heard DMT helps yeah. a lot actually if you just at least have an experience with it because it, it knocks down many walls uh, that you have mental blocks that you have in particular. I did not realize how fucked up I was uh, mentally and. Uh, not morally, just uh, logic and reasoning and the way I think about things. I never realized who the fuck that was, you know? And uh, it wasn't until after the fact all the dust settles, uh, you know, I had gotten clean off of drugs. And after everything settled, I'm like, who the fuck am I looking at in the mirror? You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that's, that's another process that uh, it's necessary but that's another process that is to be endured for sure. You know, trying kind of uh, reconstructing who you are, you know, based off your experiences. And a lot of the, uh, I, I, think, I think a lot of my memories beforehand got wiped because uh, there was a lot of space made for uh, more to be built. And um, what was in that space, uh, I think, pretty sure was a good chunk of my childhood. But at the same time, there is a reason. Right. All of yeah. That, all of that got filtered out. Right. It's a very, very, very long and drawn out conversation. But sure. It's fucking it's trippy, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I understand. I'm into that <laughs> shit. I love reading about that shit. So. 
Yeah. I'll talk about that all day. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. And, and we're all guys that's dealt with, you know, broken home type situations, stuff like that, especially in those early formative years, you know, talking elementary pre-elementary years and yeah. there's a lot of things that you do even at a young age that people don't realize you go into survival mode and you store away memories and instances and like especially once I became a father in particular like I noticed like some things like remanifesting themselves and like memories like maybe I was in a situation with my kid and uh, it would like just drum something up in the past that I never even thought about since you know being the age of my children currently that's that's I actually think about that a lot that's what makes me scared about having kids, for sure. Yeah, is you know all of the all of the past. Like, am I, am I gonna be? Am I gonna make the right decisions? Yeah. Am I am I gonna gonna slack? You know, slacking in that sense is a huge uh, stress for. Me. I don't have any kids yet, but I just I do not want to fall into those same patterns right. that I was put in. Well, I can already tell you you're on the right track because you're asking those questions. Right. You know, because it took me it took me a long time to understand that too. You know, unfortunately, I feel like I maybe didn't even fully grasp it until I've had now my third child. You know, being a parent, millions of parenting books out there, but you know, you really have to just kind of find your way and just try to break the cycle of bullshit that you went through in your life. Yeah, uh, that's really the best advice I can give anybody. I agree with that. Yeah, man. I always think about having my own kid, but feel like i need to live like, life a little yeah, bit yeah live life live first yeah, i'm not trying to we all three have kids right we're now. telling you man live life yeah, a little yeah. bit things change, man. Things, yeah, things change when you start having kids so yeah it's not so easy to like hey i got this song idea i'm gonna run in here and riff that real quick i'm gonna print that yeah. so i don't forget it before you know it, it's like oh honey you gotta change the baby's diaper and or then, daddy i need to wipe yeah, my ass yeah <laughs> you're sidetracked and it's 9 p.m and fuck i gotta work it i gotta get up for four o'clock in the morning and you know yeah so, you know, it gets away real quick, man. It's a good time, though. It is. <laughs> yeah, I I imagine. I always think about the good times that that could happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm only I'm only 23, so I think I have a... Yeah, you oh, got yeah, plenty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got plenty yeah. of something. <laughs> I, I'm, I want to go back to 23, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if I was back at that age, what kind of shenanigans we'd be up to. I know that was some of our hardest... <laughs> party in years this yeah i would just be blacked out injuring (laughs) myself all the time shit man i have horrible parties (laughs) in high school i almost got arrested my mom was never home at the at our apartment and so i was like hey you're never home yeah yeah i'm never home like okay well i'm gonna party (laughs) and so uh so everybody would always be over at my house and uh i think it was the fifth of july fifth of july and there was still hella fireworks <laughs> i was drunk and high and uh i was amped up and i uh i grabbed the mortars i go out on the on the uh patio or second floor i hold my hold my hands out and start shooting mortars <laughs> off the patio. and so we're like fuck this shit let's go down to the uh field and light them off and so we go down to the field and before we could even get there, got light shining in my face. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Did Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage come in? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd, I've had to uh, swim from the cops before. It was high school, <laughs> high school era, like full on GTA five stars, <laughs> San Andreas, but. 
No, I, I never got into a whole lot of trouble. Somehow we didn't either. Yeah, we didn't either, but uh, there was a few scares here. Yeah, there. definitely a few scares, but yeah. I think for the I most part. I think it was like uh, the second time I ever had been to a party was I was with this guy at a, an apartment and everybody heard cop sirens and like somebody's passing a blunt around the room and, and everybody was drinking. There was a lot of underage kids there drinking and shit too. And like we bailed out a, a window onto a roof of a business and hid out because we thought the cops were coming up there to like <laughs> inspect everything. And then we like waited and then we went down, we were driving his mom's truck because like we were having to drive her around at the time because she had like a DUI and shit. So we had to take her to and from work. And it was already almost five o'clock in the morning. We had to pick her up from work. He was loaded. I was Trippy. straight edge at the time. And so I'm sitting there like, I can drive us. I can drive us. And uh, he's like, oh, man, I'm too paranoid. I got to sleep this off. <laughs> so we're like sitting in a Ford F-150 with like no backseat, just like, you know, a driver's seat and a passenger seat up in the front. Yeah. And, and like it, it was a pretty terrible night, honestly, but it's a good story now. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I think it was the uh, second time, second or third time I ever tripped acid. I was riding in the backseat of my buddy's uh, uh, t- uh, town car. Lincoln Town Car, hell yeah, dude. Lincoln Town <laughs> Car, yeah. I was I was sitting on the hump, dude. Yeah, I was uh I was humping it, and uh, so we it was five of us, and three of the t- four of us four of us were tripping. The driver was not, but we were driving on uh, Allen Road. Uh, I don't know if you guys know where Allen Road is. I think it's in Jefferson County somewhere. Uh, it's like on the border of Jefferson County and St. Louis County. All back roads, super windy. We were tripping, and two of my friends were uh, hanging out the side of the car, you know, sitting on the sitting on the seat, holding on to the uh, handle, like no the, shit. the top handle. And uh, we were driving, and we hit a straight, and uh, the driver's like, you guys ready? I'm like, ready for what? And he turns all the lights oh, off. Damn, oh, damn, no. While they're, while they're hanging oh, out. Oh, damn. Yeah, we're all, you know, fritzed out on fucking, on fucking acid. <laughs> oh, didn't know if it was, if, didn't know if it was real or not. So it could have been just like straight bunk, like, uh, what is it, M-Bome, N-B-O-M-E, research chemicals. No idea. <laughs> he he did that. It felt like an eternity. It was only a couple seconds, but it felt like an eternity. Oh god! And yeah, I, I remember. I remember grabbing my buddy's belt loops. I was like, "Don't fucking!" <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns the lights on. He's like, "We're fine. We're fine. Don't worry about it." Yeah, Shit like that. It was always yeah. fun. Skateboarding, skateboarding around Baldwin. Last our last episode, we ended up kind of on a. Uh, random party stories from back in the day and and so many lists that the debauchery was pretty infamous we used to live uh, my old buddy brandon who's been on the show several times he and i had an apartment up above nature's cup which was a coffee shop but it was a music venue also and for a while it was the music video venue excuse me in the farmington area like a lot of shows came there like an old grind band sender receiver they played there uh we mentioned live by mistake earlier they played there and then there was like some more like well-known bands yeah sunset tragedy was a band from around the area that are pretty routinely excuse me i think crypt 33 had a show there at one point too but yeah there was a which was a punk band it was it was a pretty happening place and and people ended up upstairs downstairs and downstairs upstairs where our apartments were at so where the party started and stopped was a little confusing sometimes (laughs) nice yeah 
That's a sick yeah, setup. Yeah, we, we had some we had some bands crash with us occasionally here and there too. So got to meet a lot of people and and that parlayed into us networking when Ridge and I were in a hardcore band. A lot of opportunities too, but a lot of a lot of fond memories there. Another big venue down in this area was Bob Arenos, which that was really the the venue, even though there were others like the Rock House, but. Bob Arenas had a lot of bands that went on to do bigger and better things. Yeah, I mean, I've seen bands like Silverstein, I think, there. Didn't Silverstein play there? Yeah. Fall Out Boy. I mean, um, I, I wrestled a bear once, I think, played there, didn't they? Yeah, uh, Rich yeah. and I played a show with I Oh, yeah, you guys played that show, didn't you? We played that show, and yeah. the, the vocalist uh, didn't do vocals. said sh- she had I don't a cold know, or some cold. shit. So they just played... She was their, sick. Their Spitalfield. Uh, I did forget about Spitalfield. smoke all of our weed, if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sing, but I can smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got a question in from our uh, watchers on Twitch now. Zach is asking us, what's the loudest band that you've ever seen? Really, we'll just, we'll take the room, but Noah, I want to ask you first. What's the loudest band you think you've ever seen? I wish I could say Motorhead. Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, think High on Fire. Mm. Yeah, they were I've pretty seen loud. Them once and they were pretty loud, but it was at the pageant though. So yeah, it's hard to tell there. That was at the Meshuga show, wasn't it? Uh, no, they played with Converge, Deathlock, and Mastodon. Or not Deathlock. Uh, Death Clock. Death Clock. Death Clock play- uh, closed. Yeah, Death, Death Clock, Clock. was a Brendan yeah. Brendan Smalls yeah. and everything. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Testament drummer and all that. I yeah. forgot his name. Uh. No, Incantation was the Ooh. loudest show Inca- I've been to. Yeah. take that back. Incantation. Yep. Yeah, Incantation sick. That was. Dude, fucking Morbid Angel, Incantation, those those two bands set me off writing riffs. Honestly, yeah. I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta throw their name out there, Fister. That last show I went to at the sinkhole. Fister. Oh yeah, you were telling me about that. You that said that was, show was loud. That might have been the loudest show I'd ever been to. Granted, I was literally standing face to face with Marcus <laughs> almost all the whole time. Guitars. Yeah. Just eating so. it. Yeah. yeah. It's also a small yeah. room, so every everything's right. loud yeah. in there. I, and yeah. it was full of people, too, so, I mean, it should have helped deaden the sound, but when you're in the front like that, it, it doesn't really matter. Right. Honestly. I mean, I would say um, failure's up there, I feel like. Yeah. My loudest show I ever went to, loudest band, would was the Melvins. The Melvins? Yeah. No That's shit. a fucking yeah. once-in-a-lifetime show. I think it was, I seen them, it was only them and uh, Helms Ali, this band from... Uh, uh, like somewhere near Seattle or something, but oh, it was just like your clothes are moving, your teeth hurt, yeah, like no earplugs, yeah. like, and it was, wow, uh, it was at the Firebird years ago, and it was like they they were over capacity. I know they were. You couldn't, so you couldn't move, and then your whole body was just hurting from how loud. <laughs> <laughs> your bones hurt when you yeah. left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Firebird as a venue, the Firebird was really yeah, loud too. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember seeing uh, Earthless. Fuck. I saw oh, Earthless that would at be the Firebird. Sweet. That was, yeah, that was loud as fuck. They fucking rip. Oh, dude, He's super rip, super rip. Josh, what about you? A lot of show that you can recall you've been to. I think probably I always refer to the show, but it's still one of my favorite shows. It's probably that Chariot show at the Small Creepy at Creepy Two. Yeah, that show was loud and it was so packed, and it was just like the the crowd was uh, like a, the sea. That's the only way I can describe it. Like you just kind of flowed yeah. with yeah. the crowd throughout the whole night. Yeah, yeah, I mean it was just it was an intense show. Yeah. That was a really loud show, but we were really close too, so that was probably a lot to do with it too. I've seen Converge several times, and there's been times that I thought that they were extremely loud. You know what? I forgot. Fucking Torch. 
The torch is torch very, was very loud. loud. Shit. Hell night is insanely loud um, from St. Louis. Whips and chains. Whips chains is really oh, fucking yeah. loud. That's the guy from Coliseum. No, oh, my kiss. I I will say it. Kiss was insanely loud. Oh really? Kiss. Yeah. Was. yeah. And this was like the last, you know, their last go or whatever. It's like one of the my uncle took me and my brother, and, and we were just like, yeah, dude, let's go see it. And we were just we were in seats, and it was just fire going out. Super, Hell of a show, though. I'm super sure. Super loud. It was awesome. Back in the day, we used to play pretty loud. I'll yeah, yeah, we, we really did. Loud. Well, that was because it was like two full stacks with JMP45 and uh, AC30. <laughs> Dude, JMP45, no way. Dude, you, do you still have it? No, no, it was our bassist at the time. So I was borrowing it. I was say, I'll buy it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, pro- it's, no, it's probably already been sold. <laughs> I'm sure it has been. Man, I'm really into like those uh like the fifty watt high gain amps. I'm I'm really liking the uh the new fifty one fifties. There's one with EL thirty fours set up like a Marshall. Uh dude. Every time I see it, my mouth waters. I don't know I don't ever pull the trigger on it. Like there's so there's They're not other too amps. crazy, if I remember right. Yeah, they're not too crazy expensive. Like my, my brother just got one. My Ampeg, I bought. I, I got my Ampeg for a thousand. So why can't I spend a thousand on the fifty one fifty? So, but I just don't. Eventually, eventually I'll do it. I think. Um, I think if I'm if I'm not using Marshall, I'll probably use the fifty one fifty EL thirty four. The other ones I don't like. Before we get you off here, uh, Noah, I want to ask you too if you use any. Uh, guitar pedals or effects in particular i know you know you're not you mentioned you're probably not writing a lot of leads on the newer album but you know obviously sometimes those are employed but uh, anything you're fond of in particular in the pedal game for my signal chain what i'm doing is i'm doing a, a, a boss bass overdrive into a boss super overdrive um i do the bass overdrive to kind of eq the super overdrive going into the high gain channel um and i think i don't i don't think i'm gonna i don't think i'm gonna switch it up uh if anything i'll i'll add like a uh, an amp detonator for aby because what i was using to split was i was i was using a uh, mxr uh, 10 band eq it has two outputs so i was like fuck it i'll just use the second output for the second rig um but uh, I think this time it'll be proper to get the actual ABY. Um, still works. Um, as far as pedals, if I'm if I'm running, I really 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 enjoy how Bolt Thrower uh, set up their guitars. Uh, what they do is they do a, a tube power amp, and then a Boss uh, multi effects unit. So they got their uh, uh, Boss. Uh, basically solid state preamp going into the uh, tube power section. I really like that, and for that reason, I have a uh, Boss HM3, and uh, I, I dime it out, and then I put a, put a uh, I wouldn't say I boost it, but I more so cut some of the low end out of my guitar signal before going into it. And so I use that for my, um, for my, my secondary setup, uh, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing that, uh, but I think I'm really, I'm really torn between the, um, 
5150 and the bolt thrower setup because the bolt thrower setup super cheap oh, yeah. man yeah. you know get a 25 watt power power amp uh, i think uh what i'm using or what i was using i was using an orange terror stamp and there's uh, an effects loop i just plug the hm3 into the effects loop and dime everything out and the uh loudness is perfect uh for the for the basement i've got one of those terror stamps and they're they're little monsters yeah they're sick you do a lot with them yeah for sure yeah the first time i i first got it i was like uh i'll I'll try and track a rhythm part with it so i ran it through my interface and uh, i didn't even have it up to like three or four on the on the volume and I, i went to go hit like a i think it was like drop tuned detuned or something and I just like blew my fucking eardrums out because I went straight into the headphone signal off the pedal. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like, I don't think I've ever yeah. played anything this loud in, in this, you know, interface or platform. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, one thing that I would like to do for uh, engineering is um, uh, after I get the cabs rebuilt, what I want to do is I want to run a uh, frequency sweep through the cab to basically create uh, my own IR impulse response. So uh, that way, whenever I'm doing the uh, DI section of the guitar recordings, we'll have the the blood spawn impulse response, basically. And so uh, that'll that'll be my next step with, uh, as far as like the engineering setup. (coughs) I'm using uh, Ableton. Ableton Live, yeah. Yeah, I've been using it for like 10 years, so it's like, just keep using yeah. it. Yeah, and when you use what you're familiar with, you probably got a good workflow at this point, and yeah, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, some of the uh, some of the audio effects on Ableton are a little weak compared to some VSTs that you can get, but for death metal, it's surprisingly really, really good. Like, really, really good. And... Uh, if I wasn't doing death metal, to be honest, I would be doing fusion jazz. Okay. Because I'm super into fusion jazz. All, all the Japanese shit. Yeah. Nice. Mint. Yeah. Very nice. And uh, like uh, all the all the old all the old gems. Right. Uh, crate diggers, I call them. And, uh, but yeah, I uh, really enjoy fusion jazz. Really enjoy. Uh, uh, Old country, like the old old country, uh, like uh, Willie Nelson, yeah, like Outlaw Country, Stranger, Outlaw Country, yeah, and uh, re- really like that shit. I uh, really like bluegrass. Bluegrass is uh, one of my one of my. There's uh, usually a lot of crossover with uh, bluegrass and and people that are into either black or death metal. Even yeah, a lot of it I think goes into the technicality of the guitar playing. And there's that one guy um, on TikTok that was doing like raining blood bluegrass style. Yeah. yeah, that guy was phenomenal, man. He was writing all kinds of different tracks yeah. bluegrass style. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, when Rob Scallon doing the the banjo covers, or he would do the shovel covers. Yeah. I think. I did a couple shovel covers. That shit's sick. Um, and then, what else? Uh, really like uh, psychedelic music. Yeah. You know, classic, classic rock, psychedelic. Yeah. And uh, and then I also really, really enjoy uh, Memphis rap and Texas rap. Oh yeah, Memphis rap. Like old, old three six baby. Yeah, triple six, yeah. bro. <laughs> and those uh, my boys right there. Yep. Uh, everything from uh, 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 screwed up click. 
to uh, UGK to uh, UGK. Uh, you know, Three Six Mafia. Um, really, really enjoyed Project Pat. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Frazier, Frazier ended up creating his own group in the '90s. There's a lot of really underground uh, Memphis rap groups that are super, super good. Uh, there's also a lot of, uh, surprisingly, a lot of college kids around that time put out mixtapes, but then never did anything after that. And if you can find those, those are the best tapes out of the entire thing. Yeah. The best. The ones. hidden gems. Hidden gems, dude. You got to really search for it. Yeah. That's one thing I've, I really like more so, like, there's not like a ton of modern day rap that I like. I mean, I like, you know, Kendrick Lamar, I think he's kind of a renaissance guy. But, uh, you know, as far as big names, it's it's limited that I like to follow. But I like people that are more in the hip-hop realm, if you will. You know, I can't ever get away from, you know, Mob Deep to me is one of, is one of the best uh, groups that there ever was. Um, perhaps my, you know, created my favorite rap album of all time. Yeah, Wu-Tang Clan can never go wrong with them, of course. Uh, but, yeah, you know, just things in that hip-house, or excuse me, hip-hop realm of things. I, I just don't feel like that there's anything coming out present day that kind of captures that same and everything's energy. a sample too have you checked out uh coast contra mm-hmm. i have not no you need to all right they're new and they do strictly old school east coast stuff cool phenomenal that sounds right four dudes yeah four dudes they they uh they even imitate the cadence of a lot of the a lot of the guys back then yeah and uh Super sick. Super sick. There's another one. Uh, his name is Mavi. He's out of New York. M-A-V-I. He, uh, he doesn't really have uh, boom bat beats. He'll more so put a sample on, like a soul sample. Yeah. And then he'll almost do like a spoken word. Uh, I'm all right like with straight, that. Straight poetry. Phenomenal. Uh, Open Mike shit. Eagle kind of dabbles into that sometimes. Open yeah. Mike Eagle, yeah. Do you like, do you, do you know of uh, Loop Rat? Sounds familiar, but I don't think so. They're from St. Louis, and they're a uh, they're a rap group, but there's uh, only one or two rappers, and then they have a full jazz band, oh, and shit. they actually make the songs, and then they they play them live, and then uh, the rappers will rap over them. That's dope. Live, I would be way into it's, that. Nobody does loop that. Rat. It's loop rat, and uh, think. Uh, that's dope, uh, man. David, David, the main the main rapper, uh, he owns his own farm, and they actually go to uh, they sell at a lot of um, uh, farmers markets, and they do all of the uh, uh, exotic fruits and stuff. Oh, cool! A lot of stuff that's really difficult to get over in the states. They do they grow them there, and uh, super super cool dudes. That is cool. I got a buddy we went to school with, uh, Jesus Rose. He's out in uh, California now. We had him on the show and early on in the show, and he's actually getting ready to release some new material. But he uh, cut his teeth in the St. Louis scene uh, himself. But he had some family members that kind of came before him. Jay Red was a guy that's pretty popular in this area. Is his cousin, um, and uh, he 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 had a bit of a falling when you say rich for a little while. Yeah, about I'd fifteen so. years ago. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, we're we're looking at pops and stuff too, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, we would like to get more hip hop artists and stuff, but I'm not really really aware of too many uh, 
you know, in the St. Area. Louis city yeah. in particular. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, maybe I'll see if somebody in Loop Rat's interested. That's that intrigues me very greatly, and I would like to actually see them perform live too. So. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they've been doing any shows. Uh, I think they have an Instagram. Let me let me double check just so I'm not lying. Lie by mistake. Yeah. Ha Yeah, I actually noticed earlier when we were scouring for questions, uh, some folks were very happy and pleased to hear us name drop Lie by Mistake. Lie by Mistake oh, yeah. uh, toured with a lot of bands back in the day. I, they were on several tours with Between the Barry to Me. Um, okay. Oh, good God. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a ton of other bands that they toured with. They played with Dillinger, didn't they? They played with Dillinger several times, yeah. Dillinger's, of course, an all-time favorite for me. Oh, yeah. I would say Live by Mistake's kind of similar to Dillinger, although the instrumentation was, was different. It was basically just a drummer guitar player and a keyboard player the keyboardist did the vocals but he did a lot he did did a ton like it was it was otherworldly yeah it was pretty sweet that's cool shit (laughs) i uh i really hope when when we get back up and going i really hope i can bring a lot of these uh uh out of town bands into st louis because uh i think it's i think it's needed that you know we St. Louis has doom metal and we got black metal, but there's nothing for death metal. Right. There's only two other bands that I can think of in St. Louis that are death metal, and uh, one of the bands they're uh, they're all in college right now, so they're all separated and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, you know, some, something's got to give. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something's yeah. Gotta yeah. Give. You guys are doing a good job of it. I mean, when you can get back to it soon. Yep. Yeah, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have all of our friends come through. We're gonna go see everybody first. Uh, I imagine they'll be uh, coming through uh, here and there as well. But uh, yeah, we really uh, our our next step is uh, to go out there and and actually uh, meet these people face to face and uh, build face to face relationships with them. And um, hopefully, what I want to do. Uh, if we can do it, I really want to put uh, St. Louis on to death metal. I, I really, really hope, really hope something like that can happen. Like to to see a uh, a Murder City Death Fest, that would that would be absolutely killer. Oh, that'd be dope. You know, that was actually my my first idea before uh, doing Bloodspawn. I was wanting to put on, start putting on shows, and uh, I wanted to uh, do Murder City Death Fest. And uh, basically have everybody from St. Louis come together and play shows, you know, play play a set, make it an all-day thing, have people come in from out of town and play. That'd be awesome. For sure. There's a, uh, there's a really badass uh, band called Black Braid. They're actually all Native American black metal band. Have you heard of them by chance? Yes, I have. Uh, where are they from? Uh, I think they're from... I can't remember now. I want to say Oklahoma, but then that doesn't seem right to me. From like South um, Dakota or something? It might be the case. I don't know. They came up. I was checking them out the other day. Yeah, Black Raider. I stumbled upon them on Bandcamp. I think they were like recommended in, you know, kind of one of their daily lists. And uh, they actually have a video premiere in tomorrow. And then their album comes out on the 26th, which I pre-ordered. But I don't like they're they're one of the few bands that I've actually like I heard the first track of their music and instantly within like 45 seconds I was like I I love this band 
You know, it's like kind of rare to come across that nowadays, I think. And obviously yeah. I'm way behind the concept that they're an all Native American band as well. But uh, yeah, Black Braid, those, those guys are dope. I really enjoy their music. That's sick. Yeah. Adirondack Wilderness. So wherever the hell that's at. My jack. Adirondacks. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, north, uh, north uh, New York. Oh, really? Northern part of New York. Yeah. I think uh, that's usually usually super super uppity, um, lot lots of money around there, but uh, yeah, Adirondacks. Uh, well, it could there could be multiple. The only one I know of is in New New York. I do love their description. It says indigenous black metal band from the solitude yeah, of the yeah, Adirondack wilderness. Adirondack Park is uh, <laughs> New York's forest. Yeah, shit. I would have never. I would have never put that together because when you think of you know, Native American communities and stuff like that. You don't really think East Coast. Right. Uh, you, know, yeah. you, you think more Midwest, typically, or West in, in most instances. Really wish, really wish we could get something going on in St. Louis. That, that's, that is my ultimate step. Before I leave the city, before I move out of the city, I want to make some sort of an impact to where other people are coming here to play death. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I think the music scene in general is coming back in full force, and there's a hunger for a variety as well. I've seen punk shows boom. Uh, we talked to a guy a few episodes back, Jason Hebb. Uh, Pink Pit is, a, I guess, a venue in St. Louis that I'd never heard of before where they're doing kind of basement shows and stuff like that. And uh, some of the old-school hardcore scene, like hardcore punk, is starting to come back, and, and they're having shows there and DJ sets and so on. But, uh, you know, it sounds like there's a real variety starting to happen. Yeah. You know, I think St. Louis kind of got overwhelmed with a lot of, you know, screamo bands and, and things like that, and things got a little monotonous in the scene. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call them emo bands, but uh, bands that consider themselves emo. You know, th- things like that, you know, and, and I don't want to say people's taste soured on the lo- local music scene, but... I think COVID had a way of resetting all of that too. And uh, people are just like have a hunger for live shows and, and doing things. I mean, anything that I've been to in St. Louis has been, which has been limited, but uh, has been completely jam-packed regardless of what it is. I do know that uh, what um, back in the day, Arch Enemy came through and there was something that happened with, uh, with that. And then I've, a lot of people got super upset. This is, these aren't my words. These are someone else's words. Uh, what I heard was uh, back in the day, Arch Enemy came here and uh, got their gear stolen. They were thinking that it was a uh, inside job with the venue. And so they put that on the internet, and then everyone's like, fuck St. Louis, fuck St. Louis, fuck St. Louis. The Ready Room in particular had a really bad run of thefts up in the Grove. And they closed, and now they've relocated into, I think it's the old Atomic Cowboy. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. I thought they closed. No, the the Ready Room's reopening across the street now. Yeah, that would have been Um, the Atomic Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah, Atomic Cowboy. But, uh, yeah, there was a bad string of thefts at the Ready Room. Like, even some prominent bands had some things stolen as well. So, you know, hopefully... We're past a lot of that, but I think that yeah. the Ready Room in particular as a venue kind of set a bad precedent for a lot of bands and, and word traveled and, and so on. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure they didn't mean to at all. No, it's it's not their fault at all, but there was a lot of, uh, you know, questionable housing and things in, in, the, in and around the area, you know. Well, Noah, we thank you for your time today. Everything that you shared with us, it's been a 
quite an interesting conversation with some areas that I didn't expect talking about Memphis rap and hell yeah and uh, getting in the weeds <laughs> with some psychedelics and HVACs talking HVACs at our troubled childhoods <laughs> no. it's always a good time when we get into that conversation well thank you guys for having us or having me on i i really appreciate it thank you for pushing the uh, gofundme that's that's really fucking cool man i really appreciate yeah it. if you guys are still listening out there on twitch and you guys want to take a couple seconds uh click on the gofundme link in the chat and uh if you can if you can spare a few bucks uh help out our good friends blood spawn here man they need all of our help so any bit helps in the end to achieve the end goal. And a good thing about GoFundMe and, and things of that ilk is they allow for people in Noah and his band's instance to kind of keep those things running and open until they've met their goals. So hopefully uh, after today's conversation, we can get a little bit more of a push and do some social media blitz and so on and so forth. But we're going to continue to share that, share snippets of our conversation through our social medias, uh, the video proponent, and then the audio feed will, uh, will follow a few days later as well. So, no, it's been a pleasure, sir. Hopefully we get out to see you guys whenever you guys are back yeah. up and running full scale. Yeah. If you guys got anything new to promote, whether it's a show, a single, send it to us. We'll be happy to do it for you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so Thanks, much. Thanks, no, Noah. Have a good night, man. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. 
Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there. Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.